Good morning. It is good to be back with all of you. Good to see all your faces. If you consider yourself a visitor this morning, we just want to say welcome, and we are so glad that you are here with us. And if you're a member here at the church, man, it's good to see your face again, and it has been great worshiping with you today. Sean, thank you for that song service. Sure do appreciate it. Hey, yesterday, a group of us went across the street over here, and we did some door knocking, about 15, uh, 14 of us. And man, it was fun. Like, we had a good time. Honestly, I don't think any of us got a door slammed in our face. All we did was go knock on some doors and hand out a flyer and invite people to some Bible studies. And it was really chill. We, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And I just want to thank that group of people who participated in that. And Lord willing, next time we do it, we can get more people. In. But it was, it was awesome. We had a lot of fun. Absolutely. This morning, I want to do kind of a thought experiment with you. And maybe get us thinking. And so I'm going to ask several questions today just to try to get us thinking. If you were to be given a report card on the way you have lived your life, what grade would you get? You know, if we took the sum total of your life, what it means to be you, what grade would you get from the teacher, so to speak? As a child, how did you act as a young person? Did you obey your parents? As a teenager, what kind of decisions are you making right now that's going to impact the rest of your life? And as adults, do we serve God? Do we pursue what God wants for our lives? Or do we pursue other things? Better yet, I think this question might be better for us this morning. What grade requirement do you think is on acceptance into heaven? What grade do you need to get to go to heaven someday? And I'll be honest with you, that's a question that kind of might be unsettling for us to think about. But we should all be making an honest assessment of where we stand in our spiritual walk every day. And we need to assess where we're at every day in light of the standard that God has set for us in His Word. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul speaking here, he says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. We need to be tested. Are we examining our own lives and testing ourselves? Throughout Scripture, time and time again, we see that God's people are challenged to look inwardly and examine ourselves. In fact, what we did here this morning around the communion table... You know, we as the body of Christ are commanded to come together on the first day of every week so that we can take part in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? But there is another purpose behind communion for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, Paul says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. What we do here around the communion table, it matters. And you out there in the audience that is participating, it matters what you're thinking about, what you're focused on. And every Sunday, whenever we take communion and gather around this table, we need to do self-examination. Think about our lives. Take the life of Christ, take the life of myself, and compare the two. Self-examination is something that I think is extremely lacking in our world today. Now, many people call it emotional intelligence, 
but self-examination. And I'll tell you guys, I, our culture today is messed up. Relativism is something that is just rampant in our world today. And if, if you're not familiar already with this term, relativism, you need to familiarize yourself. Because it's being taught in our schools, in many schools. It's being taught on college campuses. This idea that there is no right, there is no wrong. You can have your truth, I can have my truth. All truth is relative. And because of this standard that's in our world today of relativism, you can't tell me how to live my life. Because of relativism, you have to accept whatever way I want to live. There are no standards. There is no moral absolutes. So by our culture's standards, no examination of your life is needed. You don't need to examine anything. But is that what God expects? Is that what God's Word says? I would tell you today, God has an extremely high standard. Now, a lot of people, they talk about God's love. God is a God of love, and we love Him, and He is merciful. But, you know, while God is all loving, God also is all about justice. And if God is truly loving, then He needs to exact punishment on unjust things. And so if we have sin... That sin cannot be allowed to go unpunished. Okay? In fact, look at Jesus' own words. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus Himself says, Not everyone that saith unto Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of My Father which is in heaven. I would submit to you today that Jesus' standard for righteousness is extremely high. And we need to be careful and be thinking about what is going to happen on the day of judgment when we stand before our Creator. Jesus' standard is so high that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus says, Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. God is perfect. He is holy. What a great God we serve. Thank you for that song, Sean. God's standards are extremely high. God's righteousness is clear in every aspect of His creation from the laws that govern nature and the way God set up nature all the way to the the moral laws that God has set in place to govern our hearts. His righteousness is evident in His perfection. God's righteousness is unchanging. It is unwavering and absolute. And if you would like just a vision, just a visual of God's righteousness, I would encourage you, go to Isaiah chapter 6. And read Isaiah's vision there as he stands in the temple. He sees God's robe flowing out from him, filling up the whole temple. And there are angels standing all around saying, Holy, holy, holy. God is holy. Our Father in heaven is a perfect God. And so I would say, if there is a pass-fail grade option on whether or not we're going to get into heaven someday, I would submit to you that we as humanity are in trouble. We're in trouble. Do you know if you are saved this morning? Make sure and think about that. So for the remaining time that we have together today, I want to go through this thought experiment with you. Let's grade ourselves using biblical standards of morality and righteousness. So to start out, I want to go to the Ten Commandments. And if you'd like to follow along because the verses aren't on the screen, it's in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to go through these Ten Commandments and we're going to go, well, how do I stand up? How do I, you know, what would my grade potentially be? And then once we look at the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, we're going to go into the New Testament and look at Jesus' standard and see how we match up. 
So to start out, the first of the Ten Commandments in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is simple. And if you're a Christian this morning, hey, we got this one. God is our one God. Okay, We don't put any other gods before Him. But I think number two takes number one a little bit of a step further. Number two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Now, what's it talking about there? Graven image. It's talking about idols. It's talking about bowing down and worshiping an idol. And I don't know about you, but I just don't see a lot of that in Dallas, Texas, in my world today. People bowing down and carving out of a block of wood an image to be worshipped. We may not see that. But I will say, every day, we make idols out of things in our lives. You know, work is so important. I mean, getting out there and providing for yourself, providing for your family, if you're a father or husband, work is important. And we as Christians have a duty to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says that. But how often do sometimes we can make an idol out of our career? And suddenly nothing else matters except chasing the almighty dollar, except chasing that next promotion. How about entertainment? You know, I love Netflix. I like to sit down with my wife and watch TV. Our guilty pleasure right now is reality TV. Survivor is awesome. Okay, we like TV. But how often do I allow Netflix or whatever we're watching to become my focus? When I get off work, I'm going to sit down and watch TV all night with my wife. Is that our focus? Entertainment. How about sports? I love sports. I do. But how often does my happiness on Saturday, how how often is my happiness dictated by whether or not my team won? How sad is that? Do we allow sports to dictate our lives like that? How about drugs and alcohol or pornography? I know these are uncomfortable things for us to touch on and talk about, but we need to, man, because there is a scourge in our nation right now when it comes to drugs and alcohol and most certainly pornography. Images on a computer screen. We all know it, and we all know it's just a click away, so we've got to talk about those things. Do not allow things to get you distracted and allow idols to pop up in your life. The next one we have here, number three, is verse seven. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. How much do we allow the world... To influence the way we use our tongue, the way we talk. I mean, I've got the internet going constantly, YouTube straight into my brain. I'm watching TV, I'm watching podcasts, I'm watching athletes. Do we allow them to influence how we talk? You know, guys, I love Patrick Mahomes. And I think Patrick Mahomes might be one of the best quarterbacks that has ever played the game. But my goodness, he has a foul mouth. And it wears me out. Do we allow those things to influence us? Because here's the point. God deserves our respect. He does. And he does not appreciate it when we take his name in vain. Number four, remember the Sabbath. I'm not going to get too deep here on this one. I'm pretty sure we could preach a lot of sermons on this one. But we today are not under the old law of the Old Testament. We are under the New Testament law. And so what do we do as Christians? What are we commanded to do? Come together on the first day of every week and take part in the communion service. So we do indeed keep that. Number five says, honor thy father and thy mother. That's verse 12. How many, how many of us are guilty of violating this commandment? I struggle sometimes, especially when I was younger, to honor my father and mother. And my goodness, I think they deserve an award. How, how, how many of us struggle with this growing up and maybe still struggle with it today? 
Honoring our father and mother and respecting them and obeying them is extremely important, especially in our adolescence. Next one here, thou shalt not kill. Now I hope today we don't have any people who have violated this one. Thou shalt not kill. I do know we have a lot of people who love listening to podcasts about murderers. But thou shalt not kill. We don't need to do that. That's a no-no. Number seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. This is a serious one, folks, just like the one above it. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Marriage is a sacred institution instituted by God. And He expects us to respect that institution when we enter into that covenant. Did you know that over 50% of marriages today in America end in divorce? I think sometimes we look at sin and we like to blanket everything. And we like to say, well, sin is sin. It's all the same, which is true. All sin separates us from God. But we've also got to realize, on the other hand, sin has much greater consequences depending on what sin. And adultery and killing and murder, the consequences are so great. It affects families. It affects churches. It affects the community all around us. Do not commit adultery. Next one is, Thou shalt not steal. Verse 15. Now, This one may not be an issue for you. Walking into the dollar store, walking into the store and getting a five-finger discount, you may have never been tempted to do that or go to your neighbor's house and steal some property that wasn't yours. But I'll say most likely we probably have people in the audience today that have struggled with this. Let me ask you this. You may feel like you've never stolen before, but what about in your work? Have you ever stolen time from your employer? I mean, most certainly we've all taken an extra, a long lunch or been surfing on our phone on Facebook while we're on the clock. All the time we end up stealing. And here's the point. If I steal one time, just once, what does that make me? If I steal just one time, by definition, I am now a thief. I know that might sound harsh, but by definition, that's the case. The same goes for this next one. Number nine says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. What is it talking about there, bearing false witness? It's talking about making up a story, lying. By definition, if you've lied one time, what does that make you? A liar. And lastly here, it says, Thou shalt not covet. And that's in verse 17. I personally feel, guys, that our culture that we live in here in America. I I love capitalism, but guys, it is set up to get us to covet. Okay, I watch the ads on TV. I watch advertisements, and I want what my neighbors have. That's how all the sales are set up. Look what your neighbor has. Look how great his life is. Don't you want that? And suddenly, we're chasing the Robinsons. Thou shalt not covet. Folks, when I look at this list in total, I am guilty as charged. Time and time again in my life, and I know in your life, we slip up and we have violated these commandments, most certainly. But I know when we look at the old law in the Old Testament, sometimes it's easy for us to go, well, that's the old law. That's the Old Testament, and I am not under that old law. I'm under Jesus, the law of Christ. And that's very true. But I'll tell you this morning, I don't know that that makes the situation any better for us. In fact, Jesus raises the standard of righteousness that God has required. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, the old law, the Old Testament was very black and white. It was very rules-based. Yes, do this. No, do not do that. And it was very focused on people's actions. And what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus comes along and He expands that standard of righteousness. Not just to include our actions, but also to include what's going on in our hearts. So now, it's not just don't commit adultery. Now it's don't even look at someone with, that, with lust in your heart. No longer is my sin about the fact that I lied or the fact that I have stolen or the fact that I may be disrespectful to my parents. It's about what is going on in my heart when I make those decisions. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. It says that in Jeremiah. And Jesus says, then in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, this right here truly is the standard. This is the expectation for how we should live our lives. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And I'll tell you, I think if we could do this right here perfectly, everything else would take care of itself. I think the world would be a great place to live in and we would just love and take care of each other. But is that how it works? When I look at my life, and I know when you look at your life, time and time again, what happens? We come up short of that standard. Because when I look back on my life, even whenever Zach is doing his best, I still fall short. I know there are times where I don't love God with all my heart. I don't love God with all my soul and all my mind. Romans chapter 3, Paul says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is for everyone. And he says in Romans chapter 6, For the wages of sin is death. And I'll say it again this morning. We are in a tough spot today. And it's because of our sin. And it's because of our inability to perfectly love the Creator like He deserves to be loved. I believe the Apostle Paul describes this position for us in Romans chapter 7. The Apostle Paul says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Many times, folks, we want to do what's right. I want to serve God many times, but then I get distracted. And I take my eyes off of the cross. Stuff in life comes up and it gets in the way. And before you know it, I'm piloting my own ship. I've taken the wheel away from God and I'm trying to to pilot my own ship and there is waves crashing all around me. Oh, wretched man that I am. When we measure ourselves against the perfect standard of Jesus Christ, every time we will find ourselves lacking. Each of us, in our own way, have strayed from the path of righteousness. Mistakes we've made, actions we've 
you know, used to hurt others, words that shouldn't have left our lips, or how about things in our heart that we are just ashamed of, so ashamed that we don't want to share it with anyone else. Humanity has a sin problem, plain and simple. And so what can we do, folks? Like Paul says, who will deliver us from this body of death? Well, Paul goes on to say in the following chapter, just a few verses later, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus this morning? He goes on to say, Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit today? In the way you live your life, in the decisions you make. Verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Folks, we fall short of the righteous requirement every day. But if you're a Christian this morning, then you have a perfect score through the work of Jesus Christ. That is the standard of righteousness that God requires. That perfect righteousness. And guys, I can't be perfect. Zach can't do it on his own. I come up short of that standard. And because of that, we deserve punishment. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Sin must be punished, folks. And it should have been us on the cross that day, taking that punishment. But Jesus went in our place. He was nailed to the cross. He hung there in agony. He had to lift himself up on nails in order to get each breath as he hung there. The crowd that day, they mocked him. They spat on him. And before Jesus died, he said, he said, Father, uh, why have you forsaken me? And then later, before his death, he would go on to say, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. God made a way for us to take care of our sin problem. And that was the point of this whole thing. We read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the working of God, who raised Him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. God provided a way for us to come in relationship with Him and to get past our sin problem. So what God did is He sent His only Son to live a perfect life here on the earth. And God's Son took the form of a servant. He didn't come as a king sitting on a throne with a crown. No, Jesus lowered Himself and took the form of a servant and lived a perfect life free from sin. And He went to the cross on our behalf. This morning, 
you may have a stack of C's and D's and F's that you've been given for the way you've lived your life. And that stack may be tall as can be. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and when you trust in Him, all of those failing grades are expunged. The teacher rips them up and no longer counts those things against you. And that's what happens whenever we obey Christ in the act of baptism. Now, there's nothing special about this water up here this morning. There's really not. But when you submit to Christ in the act of baptism, you die just like Christ did on the cross that day. You were buried with Him in that empty tomb, and then you were raised up out of the water to walk in newness of life. Have you done what you need to do this morning to be in relation with your God? Do you have the grade requirement required to get into heaven someday? In conclusion, I'd just kind of like to sum up everything we've talked about real quickly this morning. God has knit you together from the beginning. He designed you in the womb. He planned for you everything about you. And you are here for a purpose, a reason. And that purpose is to live in alignment with your Creator's will. Now, we mess that up because we all have sin that we're guilty of, so we fall short. But God has provided a way for us to get our sin problem taken care of. And that means that my purpose for existence is no longer to serve Zach, but it is to honor the one who died for me, to honor Jesus Christ and to live for Him. And because He did all of that for me, when I die, I'm going to heaven forever. And it's not because of my good works, but it's because of the good work of Jesus Christ. That concludes my thoughts this morning. Folks, if you haven't been baptized today, if you haven't come in contact with the blood of Jesus, let's take care of that today. Let's start to talk about that. Let's open up our Bibles and study together. And let's take care of that. Maybe this morning you are a Christian, but you've fallen away. Maybe you've taken your hands, maybe you've you know taken control of that steering wheel and and God is no longer in control of your life. Folks, if that's something you need to take care of and we need to get you back in relation, right, standing with God, let's take care of that this morning as well. If there be one of either case, please come to the front, take a seat on this front pew as we stand and as we sing.